Hey, Crime Salad listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad. My name's Ashley, and with me always is my partner in crime, Ricky. When free-spirited Joshua Maddox failed to return home after leaving for a walk in May of 2008, authorities and family members believed the 18-year-old had simply left to start a new life after the sudden loss of his brother two years earlier. For seven long years, there were no signs of Josh and no new leads pointing to his location. That is, until a stunning discovery in the chimney of an old house less than a mile from Josh's childhood home shattered the family's hopes at a happy outcome. Investigators were quick to rule Josh's death an accident, but renewed interest in the case has pointed out many details that don't add up to support that conclusion. Do these discrepancies in the evidence suggest something more terrible than an unfortunate accident? By all accounts, Joshua Maddox was the kindest, happiest, brightest kid. He lived in Woodland Park, Colorado, a small town just north of Colorado City. He was close with his two older sisters, Ruth and Kate, and his parents, Mike and Roberta. But Josh was best friends with his older brother, Zach. The Maddox family loved music, and Zach was particularly good at the drums, while Josh loved playing guitar. The Maddox children were all homeschooled for the first few years, but eventually switched over to public schooling. Josh was a gifted, intelligent student known for being really creative. One of his passions was comics, and he had created one on his own called Stickman and Smiley. He spent much of his time on this project, developing new panels, and sharing his work with his many close friends. By all accounts, Josh, with his long blonde hair, was a carefree, happy teenager. But life for the Maddox family took a sudden turn on June 2nd, 2006, when their oldest son and Josh's closest friend took his own life in their family home. According to Josh's father, having to bury his older brother pushed Josh over the edge as he was deeply shocked by the loss. In the two years that followed his brother's death, Josh worked on finding normalcy again. By the time that he was about to graduate high school, he was doing well despite such a traumatic incident, according to his friends and family. On the morning of May 8, 2008, Josh told his older sister Kate that he was going out for a walk. Josh was a big nature lover, and it wasn't uncommon for him to go out on hikes alone around the small town and the beautiful forested areas close by. Kate didn't think twice about it and happily said goodbye to her brother. Well, hours passed and Josh didn't return from his solo hike. By the time night had started to fall, the Maddox family was growing concerned. They trusted that Josh could handle himself outside at night, but... When he hadn't returned by the morning, his father started calling around to see if any of Josh's friends had heard from him, but no one had seen him. As the days went on, real worry about Josh's safety grew, and by May 13th, five days after he'd last seen Josh, 
Mike Maddox called the police to report his son as officially missing. Friends, family, and the police searched for Josh throughout the neighborhood and surrounding area where he typically went for walks, assuming that perhaps something had happened to him during this hike. But neither Josh nor any clues to his whereabouts turned up. Months passed without any signs of him. Josh's sister Kate remained hopeful that he had found a better life. She wrote in a post online that she hoped Josh started a new life in the solitude of the woods, playing music and writing novels. She dreamed that he would one day return to his father's house with a wife and kids, showing off his new family to his sisters. Though Kate's feelings seem overly optimistic now that we know the truth, the Maddoxes had no reason to suspect anything bad could have ever happened to Josh. He didn't get into trouble, and there wasn't any concern about his mental health by this point. They did believe that Josh had always wanted to leave his small town, and maybe it was that morning in May when he felt like it was finally time. Months turn into years, and Josh's missing person file remained open. Police had no reason to suspect anything criminal had happened and were dedicating much time and resources to finding Josh. When Mike Maddox eventually moved from the home a few years later, there was still no news, holding out hope that Josh, who would know to come to the house if he were to return, Josh's father didn't sell the family home. Not a trace of Joshua Maddox was found for seven long years. In the 1950s, a man named Chuck Murphy purchased a small wooden cabin in Woodland Park, only two blocks from what would eventually be the Maddox family's home. The cabin was on Meadowlark Lane, only about 50 feet from the main road in the middle of a large area of land. It was surrounded on all sides by tall pine trees. This cabin had a history as it was the homestead of the Thunderhead Ranch, a place for drinking and gambling in the early 20th century. The original owner, Big Burt Bergstrom, ran the seedy institution and was arrested by the FBI for his illegal gambling hall. After Big Burt's trial, the cabin remained empty until Chuck's brother moved in the early 2000s. He moved out in 2005, and after that, the cabin was used primarily for storage. Chuck, or anyone in the family, hardly ever visited the cabin from then on. Animals, however, had begun to make the cabin a home, and in recent years, when he did visit, Chuck noted an unpleasant smell in the building. By 2015, over a decade since anyone had lived in the cabin, it was beginning to seriously decay, and Chuck, being a builder himself, decided to demolish the old building. Demolition workers started by clearing off the outside of the cabin, but as they made their way through, they made a horrible discovery that finally explained the overwhelmingly bad stench. A badly decayed dead body was wedged in one of the chimneys. The body was that of a young man who had been oddly contorted into a fetal position with his legs above his head. Chuck immediately called the police to report his findings. The coroner, with the help of a forensic specialist to analyze the dental records, determined the body in the chimney was that of Josh Maddox, the boy who went missing seven years earlier. Josh's family was shocked and devastated to learn that Josh wasn't alive and living his dream life somewhere outside of town. 
In fact, they were crushed and surprised to know that he had been so close to home for so long. As to how he ended up in the chimney, no one had a good answer. Josh's sister Kate says that she assumed Josh stumbled upon the old cabin and a horrible accident happened, and the authorities didn't have a better explanation. The Teller County coroner essentially agreed with Kate's assessment. He reported that there were no signs of trauma to Josh's body, no bullet or knife wounds that would suggest foul play, and there were no drugs found in his system. The coroner felt that there were no answers that could have easily explained what happened to Josh, so ultimately it was ruled an accidental death. It was assumed that Josh had chosen the cabin for shelter, climbed down the chimney to get inside, and became stuck and likely died of hypothermia, since all they really know is that Josh's death was not quick. Given the remote location of the building, if Josh had become stuck, no one would have heard him crying for help, and the search parties that had looked for Josh back in 2008 had all but ignored the cabin, given its quiet, decaying facade. They didn't think there was any possibility of Josh being found there, and they were sorely wrong. There's a lot we don't know for certain, but there's so much more that we want to know. It's hard to guess now because so much is missing from the official police investigation. Some of this should have been investigated previously, and perhaps it was, but little public evidence is available. It may be because of these glaring holes that so many have taken an interest in Josh's unusual case. In particular, Chuck Murphy, the owner of the cabin, took issue with these findings, saying that he had a heavy wire grate installed over the top of the chimney, only one or two bricks from the top. This was in order to prevent raccoons or other animals from gaining access to the cabin from the top. But given the demolition crew had already started dismantling the chimney by the time they found Josh's body, there was no way to be sure that the wire grates were still in place or that it hadn't been rusted over or damaged in a way that would have gave Josh access to the chimney. On the other hand, Chuck also had some personal stake in claiming that the mesh was there. This would help him avoid any charges for negligence or responsibility in Josh's death. But what makes this explanation more confusing and implausible is that Josh's clothes were found in a neatly folded pile inside the cabin, next to the hearth at the bottom of the chimney. The only article of clothing that Josh was wearing when they found his body was a thin thermal shirt. No jacket, no pants, no shoes. It's hard to believe or explain why Josh would have gotten almost naked and climbed into the chimney on his own accord. The pile of clothes was not the only thing at the scene to raise eyebrows. Someone had also blocked the entrance to the chimney with a heavy wooden breakfast bar from the other side of the room. If it was Josh who moved this wooden bar, it means that he would have stripped down to just a shirt and gone back outside, climbed to the roof, and slid down the chimney, knowing full well on the other side it was blocked. And if the bar was blocked before Josh went into the chimney, how did the clothes end up inside? The coroner suggested that if this was a homicide, then we would be dealing with at least two suspects. Given the position that Josh's body was in, with his head facing the ground of the cabin and his legs above him, it would have taken two people to get him up into the chimney like that. 
But with no footprints or other scuff marks at the base of the chimney, there was no evidence to confirm this. The coroner ended his report by saying, I know it's not a natural death, and I'm confident that it's not suicide. My other options are accidental death, homicide, and an undetermined cause of death. With so little evidence to go on, it's difficult to piece together what could have happened. For those who knew Josh and those who stumbled upon this case through the news, it's hard to be satisfied with such an uncertain conclusion, especially given the unusual position of Josh's remains. Because the lack of closure on this case, internet sleuths began conducting their own investigation. They speculated about different scenarios that could have resulted in such a horrific ending. And above all, the consensus seemed to be that Josh's death didn't seem quite as accidental as the coroner suggested. Even those who lived in Woodland Park thought foul play could have been involved. Many people called in tips, but these never amounted to anything and police stuck by their initial conclusion. Of all the posts online, one in particular stood out. A post on Reddit in 2015, a bit after Josh's body was found, talked about a kid named Andy, who the original poster and Josh had attended high school with. The post said that Andy was this skinny, dorky hippie who played guitar in a band, who Josh had recently befriended. In fact, according to friends, not long before Josh went missing, Andy reportedly said that he and Josh were planning a trip to New Mexico together. It turns out that Andy ended up making his way to New Mexico without Josh, and there things took a turn. Andrew Newman, who also goes by Andy, was arrested as a primary suspect in the murder of a disabled man named James Walido. Andy had lived a pretty nomadic lifestyle since graduating from high school in Woodland Park and had made friends with James during his travels through New Mexico. Andy often stayed at James's house whenever he was in town, and during one of these stays, James's caretaker left James and Andy alone while he went to shower. When the caretaker came back, he found James had been stabbed to death, and Andy was gone. After fleeing James's house, Andy was seen wandering around town, knocking on doors, asking for food and water. A resident took him in and brought him to a local sheriff's office. Once there, they ran Andy's fingerprints through AFIS and came up with two hits. One from a fatal stabbing in May of 2009, a year after Josh went missing, and another from a burglary in Seattle. Once arrested, Andy also claimed that he had murdered a woman in Taos, New Mexico, and stuffed her body into a barrel. But because the police had already arrested and charged someone else for her murder, they didn't believe his claims or investigate this confession further. When the news of Andy's arrest for the murder got back to those who knew him and Josh in high school, a few friends went to the police to put pressure on them to investigate Josh's disappearance and Andy's possible connection. Before the body was found, the police mostly ignored these calls, still operating under the belief that Josh was safe and well somewhere else. After his body was found, police seemingly ruled out Andy's involvement in Josh's death. 
The coroner stated that it would have been simply unlikely for one person, let alone someone as small as Andy Newman, who was under six foot and about 120 pounds, to have gotten Josh's body into the chimney. With that, the police never investigated this connection any further. Andy's violent behavior since leaving Woodland Park seems, at the very least, reason enough to dig into the boy's connection. But the lack of investigation is made worse by the fact that just before Andy left town, he was heard bragging about how he had put Josh in a hole. Ultimately, these rumors were given little attention when Josh first went missing because so many people assumed Josh was safe, just off the grid. Despite the unanswered questions of how Josh ended up dead in a chimney, police have yet to reopen the case. At this point, the cabin where he was found had been completely demolished, leaving only a few crime scene pictures in evidence. What little remained of Josh has been cremated, which means no new test can be run. The evidence needed to explain Josh's manner of death may have been limited even if the search parties had found him in 2008. But given that seven years had passed before the body was actually found, and now the entire crime scene has been demolished, there is likely no possibility of any new evidence coming to light. Short of a confession to the crime, something that may not exist if this truly was an accident, we will not likely find out exactly what happened. Even with such little conclusive evidence, the internet has not stopped speculating about how Josh died. Those who don't believe there was foul play agree with the coroner's initial report. Josh died trying to get into the cabin. They say that he threw his clothes down first and then became stuck unaware that the other side of the chimney was blocked by the bar. Those who think that it was a homicide suggest that Josh was killed first or at least subdued and then shoved into the chimney by his attackers. Other post those who believe that Andy Newman was involved hypothesize that Josh left home that morning to meet with Andy. They found themselves on the roof of the cabin and Andy, either by coercion or force, got Josh to go down the chimney. When Josh became stuck, Andy fled, leaving him there to die. We wish we had more evidence and more answers. And we know this is an unsatisfying, confusing case. Though it seems obvious to interview Andy and see what he knows or says about the case, law enforcement hasn't. As we've seen in previous cases, investigators have been known to come to their own conclusions on events and overlook or deny evidence that doesn't appear to support that. We wonder if continued interest on forums like Reddit will unearth a new direction for the case and cause police to take claims that Josh's death was anything but an accident, seriously. We'd love to hear your perspective on what happened. Do you think that this was an unfortunate, horrible accident? Do you think perhaps Andy was involved or at least knows more about what happened to Josh? Could it be something or someone else entirely different? Message us and let us know. This completes this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding?
kidding me? That was perfect.